Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be a guiding principle study and commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, Guiding Principles. This is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there will be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text towards reaching those seeking a resource like this. If one person benefits from our efforts, including us, then the participation will be well worth the effort. We'll have the introductions and then we'll jump into the text. Enjoy. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is episode 18 for the God and Principles study for the Anonymous podcast. We're going to begin on page 28 with question number 12, and that's in, in all our affairs section. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Melissa, can you jump in? Introduce yourself, please. Hi, my name is Melissa. I'm an addict. My clean date is May 21st, 2015. My home groups are Freedom to Change and Spiritual Ninjas. I go to meetings in the New Orleans and Slidell areas, and I'm grateful to be a part of. Thanks. Thanks, Melissa. What's happening, Brooke? Hi, my name is Brooke, and I'm from um, Denver, Colorado. I go to meetings here in Denver and Boulder area. Um, my clean date is 6-16-1997. Um, happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Brooke. What's happening, Bobby? Hey, everybody. I'm Bobby. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is October 1st of 2020, and uh, I attend meetings in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. My home group is uh, Wolfpacking, and this being Gratitude Month, I am grateful to be here. Thanks, Bobby. What's happening, Phil? My name's uh, Phil M. My clean date is 4-1995. My home group is Men in Recovery in Pittsburgh, and I attend meetings in the Pittsburgh area of Pennsylvania. Thanks, Phil. What's happening, Carl? What's up, y'all? I'm Carl. I'm an addict. Clean date, January 6, 2015. Uh, home group Open Mind in New Orleans. Uh, grateful to be here. Thanks, Carl. What's going on, Alberto? I'm Alberto, and I'm an addict. My clean date is 10 and I attend meetings in the Pensacola, Florida area. Thanks, Alberto. What's happening, Michelle? Oh, you know, my name is Michelle C. Uh, my clean date is 81392. Um, I fellowship in the Bend, Oregon area, and my home group is the Early Risers, which is a virtual meeting. All right, thanks, Michelle. And our guest this evening, we have Mary coming in. Mary, introduce yourself, please. All right, I'll do that. I am an addict named Mary. I am, uh, my clean date is March 20th of 2007. I attend meetings in Eugene area. It's the Lane County area of Narcotics Anonymous. And it is an honor to be sitting here with you guys tonight. All right, welcome, Mary. Our folks, I'm Addict, my name is Douglas, and we're clean March 12, 2000, Southwestern PA, and I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina right now. And uh, Alberto, real quick before we jump in, can you tell us, why'd you do that? Why did you do it? I'll keep it simple. I found out that life without drugs is, is better than any life I've ever had with drugs, and so I want to continue just for today. Thank you, Douglas. And now, all of y'all, I love you all. Congratulations. All right, folks, we're going to jump in. Got in principles, um, a study for the anonymous podcast. This is episode number 18, uh, middle of the page on page 28 in all our affairs. Question number 12 reads, 
How have I applied this tradition outside in A? How else might the principles of this tradition guide my thinking or my actions? Let me read tradition two, and then I'll read that question again. Tradition two reads, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving goddess who may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Again, question 12, how have I applied this tradition outside of NA? How else might the principles of this tradition guide my thinking or my actions? Bobby, jump on in. Yeah, thanks, Douglas. Um, when I look at this tradition, um, you know, it, this tells me that, you know, God kind of, my higher power kind of leads my my day and my actions, right? So when I, when I think of this outside of NA, you know, it really is kind of letting go and letting God. That's kind of how I approach this uh, and apply it in my daily life, just because, you know, my will run right, right. And my active addiction, you know, I knew everything and, and I, I kicked and prodded and fought every inch of the way to try to stay out there as long as I could without asking for help, you know, and giving up control. And so when I think of this tradition in my daily life, you know, I think it's, it's so important for me just because it's so easy for me to take my will back and, and think that <clears throat> I have, I have the answers, you know, and, <clears throat> And as my as my life gets a little busier, you know, it's it's even more important for me to kind of step back and just say, you know, is is what I'm doing God's will? You know, is is this the right thing to do? You know, because if there's anything I do know, it's it's what God's will isn't. <laughs> you know, and so it's important for me to remember that. Uh, and it's it's simple to do that. It's simple to do the eleven. It's simple to do my eleven step prayers in the morning simple to say the serenity prayer in times of need, you know, it's, it's, it's simple. And it's doing those simple things that got me clean, talking to other addicts in recovery, calling my sponsor. And, you know, it's just, it's those simple things that I find got me clean. It helps keep me clean. And now it's, it's even more important now to continue that just because, um, you know, as we, as we go through this life, it's, it's easy to take my will back, you know? And so it's just, it's a good thing for me to remember. And, uh, guide my thinking. I love how it says that guide my thinking. I appreciate that. So that's what I got. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for those comments, Bobby. Brooke T jump in. So when I was reading this, I was thinking about, um, for me often I apply this where I apply this usually the most is at work. Um, and so for me, just keeping that sense of purpose in mind, um, really, really helps me that keeping that clear purpose, um, even if I'm not like bringing it out to the group or anything, I'm remembering in my head that, um, that what the purpose is of, of a meeting or my, even my, um, even that I'm there, you know, that kind of thing. Cause it's really easy to get caught up in personalities and um, <laughs> agendas <laughs> even at work. And so, uh, so that I do try and bring that. So um, I can kind of sift through the riffraff and hopefully be a voice of clarity sometimes. I don't know if you guys have meetings like I do at work, but it can be anything <laughs> really. So that's that's where I apply that, that second tradition really helps me with that. Thanks for those comments, Brooke. I don't want to bring Carl in to make comments on question 12 and he's going to take over facilitating uh, uh, the study for this evening. What's happening, Carl? Thanks, Douglas. Um, 
Yes, I, I, I too definitely relate the most at work, like where I can really see it and in family life as well. You know, I, I had a conversation yesterday um, with someone about bridging the gap and how that's part of my responsibility as an addict, you know, I, and I heard somebody sharing about it just the other day. It's, it's, it's my really my responsibility to help people kind of better understand you know, and it's all too easy for us in recovery. We talk it every day. We understand recovery. We live recovery. And, you know, we live, we work principles to the best of our ability. And, you know, not everybody lives that way, you know, and especially when I'm at work, you know, when I go to work and I'm, I, I build teams, you know, and that's what I do really for my job is build teams with therapists and teachers and bus drivers or whoever's family members. And um, a big piece of that is, um, almost teaching them how to work as a team, you know, and how, like, I'm not a dictator, like, I'm maybe a leader of the team, but I'm definitely not a dictator, you know, so, like, in this moment, we were reading it, it's like how these principles, I had to look back at the principles, you know, but when you read these principles, you know, it's, um, gosh, one of them that really jumped out is that commitment piece, and I know we talked about it the other day, but talk about, um, learning how to show up, you know, and I think one of the biggest things I see, especially at work and like family or friends or whatever, a, a lot of people don't commit well, you know, they don't, when they say they're going to do something, they don't show up or they, you know, and I'm grateful to have kind of transitioned a lot of people kind of really kind of out of my life, the ones that who don't show up, you know, I, I definitely surrounded myself when I was younger with people who didn't know how to commit and didn't know how to show up. And um, because those really, like, talk about a group conscience, a, a, like how it says that ultimate authority authority and having some sort of God consciousness, like the people who I want in that consciousness of a group, I want good people who commit well and who follow principles and who have good action and follow goodwill, like all these principles encapsulate them. So it's like, it, it's really, applying it in all areas, you know, not just work, but like friendships, romantic relationships, and, and really kind of starting to understand that, like I, shit, like the saying my parents always told me when I was a kid is, you are who you surround yourself with, you know, and it's like, damn, you know, when I start to really see what kind of group I build, you know, it really does kind of dictate where, where my thinking, where my actions go, and um, so... That's all I got. So what you got, Melissa? Hey, thanks for that call. That was very insightful. I like how you brought it back to the spiritual principles too. So um, for me, I'm like, you guys, I, I notice it most in my work environment. And I really think the reason is because I feel like at work, I can be the least spiritual, you know, like I can forget, I can get like programmed into, you know, getting this done or getting that done or thinking I know it all and you know it just that's the easiest environment for me to kind of get slipped slipped into that thought pattern and um so like I, I can do that by like not like expressing myself properly like taking out my anger um on others or like being the loudest right when I think something else is wrong um, I can, I can even like find myself like judging, you know, um, and like, I struggle sometimes with listening to those that like, I don't trust. Right. So like, if I don't trust their 
like methods or knowledge, right? So I just want to be like, no, this is how you do it, right? And so with this tradition, it really ties in because it's like, first of all, let somebody else grow, you know? Um, and maybe if you have a way to help them, then help them. Don't, you know, be pushy or loud because, you know, I know what I do when somebody's pushy and loud. I don't listen, right? So if I'm if my goal is really for us to come together and complete whatever we're trying to complete or, you know, just even have unity within the workplace. Like I need to be willing to practice the same principles found in this tradition. Um, so it's really about like me, be, being willing to be a part of then like having to be the boss or like the one who knows the way, right? It's, for me, it's a big part of just like taking my ego out of it, right? And then, I mean, when I do that, often I'll, I'd actually learn something new and I do have more unity in, around me in my work environment. So thanks. Thanks so much, Melissa. Mary? Hi, thanks. Yeah, those, um, I, liked, I liked those insights that you dropped uh, towards the end there, Carl, when you were talking about the people you surround yourself with and who you put into your lives. The very first thought I had though, when I looked at this question about how I've applied this tradition outside of NA was immediately, I thought about the, the kids I've raised. So, you know, I, I just this summer became an empty nester. So I've done it, right? Woo, they're all out there on their own. Um, and raising them, you know, looked a lot different than the way I had planned it to go when I first uh, brought them into this world. So it was just me, you know, um, as it turned out. And especially during their formative years, thanks to the guidance of women in the fellowship and my sponsor and the steps, you know, I, I came to this understanding that I'm not in control of these little people. I get to guide them and I, um, I get to feed them a lot, <laughs> drive them places. But I, I had conversations with them. We were very, it was very open about communication with them. And, and at one point, you know, as soon as each one of them seemed to have the, the maturity to understand, I sat down with them and I said, I, I understand that, that I don't get to control you. You know, and it gave them not just a sense, instead of giving them a sense of power, it gave them a sense of responsibility for themselves, right? And so we kind of worked together on that, but that was definitely something I learned through that tradition of knowing my higher power is, or their higher powers are the ones that are going to be guiding this, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to be guiding them, but what happens in their life is not something I can control. And there was really happened, um, the catalyst for that was, I don't remember specifically what it was my daughter did, but, you know, my hair caught on fire. I was in a panic and I'm on the phone with my sponsor and I'm like, oh God, she's going to run away and be on the streets just like I was. It's going to, you know, the whole cycle is going to, she's like, wow, but like, like, that's not necessarily how her life is going to go, you know, and, and she, she talked me in off the ledge and, um, you know, I'm really grateful for that. But, um, you know, Carl, I, I, I'm, what I loved about what you said was it, it made me all warm and fuzzy and made me realize like so many other times in this, in the program that I'm doing better than I think I am um, because I recently changed careers. I started my own business and twice in the last couple months, I mean, I've been doing this now for 
uh, full time just since March. And um, but twice in the last couple of months, I've brought new people along too. like somebody sent a note and said, hey, I'm a new photographer. And I was like, oh, I can hire you. Let's see how that works. And then there was a new somebody in a different area of the business who's looking for, you know, to connect. And I was like, yeah, let's see how that looks. And, and bringing people is kind of that hand hand out, not or a hand up, not a hand out kind of thing. And, um, and, and yeah, bringing people in, it, it feels really good now that I hear what you had said. So thanks, hope that made sense. Thanks so much, Mary. It made me think of uh, hearing your perspective about your relationship with your kid, made me think about what the process has done for, and I've actually shared it on here about my relationship with my mom. So it's neat to hear like different perspective, you know? So thanks so much for that, Phil. Wow, wow, uh, good stuff. Um, uh, I did like um, uh, all the things that uh, uh, everybody shared and uh, I do got to tie this uh, back into the traditions, uh, guys, my, my thinking and uh, actions. But I, I couldn't help but, but not to think about uh, ever reminding us to place uh, principles before uh, personalities. And um, especially uh, outside of uh, NA, you know, I always say this, uh, I really need to do the things um, in NA, but, uh, but it's really cool when I can practice these principles out, outside of it, meaning with family, uh, others in the world and whatever, but, but how does it guide uh, my thinking and, and my actions? And this just happened uh, yesterday, a uh, uh, conversation with my uh, grandson and a, and a real nice uh, um, um, conversation uh, we had. And, a, and it was a very spiritual uh, conversation. And, um, and it was, um, to make a long story short, it was uh, material things, uh, spiritual things, I mean, him was uh, discussing. And, and one of the things uh, I told him, told him, and it was the material things that he was talking about, I, I told him, uh, uh, your life, uh, you being happy, that's like the um, main thing I want to see. You know, those material things are nice, this and that, the other things, but, but your happiness. And this is what I told him. I says, uh, um, I can't, uh, uh, it's, that's a precious, priceless thing to me. And this is what he said. He said, Pappy, he goes, uh, I like how you think. See, that action, that's all I got. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, in the 10 step, that little living IP number nine, it, it asked, was I happy today? Twice. I've always loved that. All right, so we're gonna move on to question um, number 13. Let's see, I'm gonna go ahead and read it. Let's see. Question number 13 in all of our affairs. Are there other areas in my life where I can see the value of a conscious or where I can see a conscious emerging? How do I listen for what I know as group conscious in my relationships outside of N of NA? Go ahead, Douglas. Man, thanks, Carl. If I if I put that on the backdrop of on page 26, you know, we read a couple episodes ago, we read that practicing these principles can bring us freedom in all the area of our lives and that we should start to depend um, on this HP for decisions, actions, and relationships at every level. 
So if I look at that, um, the, the clearest way is like my co-parenting relationship that I have with my two sons with, with their mother. Um, the, the Latin emerging is, is I'm going to underline emerging now, you know, in my book, because I don't necessarily think though, that, uh, other than this past, maybe season or two of our co-parenting relationship that I've actually considered maybe like her perspective, you know, and I think it's developing now, but when I do, when I do, man, I, I, the conversation ends with, man, I feel like I was fully, um, kind of like fully present and really, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a feeling of like connectedness maybe, and not even like, you know, not, not a romantic or, you know, romantic or anything like that, but just like of like the best interest for the boys. And, uh, in the first few years of their, their life, man, this is before she, you know, she had relapsed, you know, we got a divorce and all that stuff. And she was, she was trying to find her way back into the program, man. And, and it was always me. It was no group content, man. You know, like it was no, no taking her thoughts into consideration. And, and, uh, these last few seasons, man, it has been, and it's going better, but here's the emerging, the emerging part is, um, you know, she, she's, a, she's engaged now and, uh, and nice enough guy, you know, and all that, and all that stuff there. But sometimes the, the, the wordage that she uses is, uh, Hey, we thought this about the boys and we thought that about the boys. And so now it's, I formed this conscience. Now it's me, needed to stretch myself even a little bit more and say, okay, let me enter this conversation now taking into account what may be best for her household there, including her fiance, which is another man in my son's life, you know, and it's, bro, it's fucking tough at times, man. But when I'm, when I'm able to do that, I feel at peace. I know like it's the best thing for the boys. And, and here's the cool thing. And, and, and I'll, and I'll end with this is like the, the theme that I keep going over and over again with this last tradition and this one is that I'm a part of this greater good in my mind. Some, sometimes I, I, I just keep going back to the part of like, it's, it's my will or it's the, or, you know, it, it's like good for me or it's the greater good. And I, and, and sometimes I have to just be really, I have to force myself into thinking, bro, I'm part of the greater good, man. Like I'm, I'm part of that, you know? So, so in the end, and, and so specifically for this, for the co-parenting thing, if it's good for my boys, if it's the best thing for my boys in this relationship, I'm a part of that, man. You know, I'm a part of that, you know? So, so I'll go ahead and pass with that. Thanks so much, Douglas. I ain't gonna lie. So we do a group text in the morning and we do affirmations and gratitude. And I love like reading Douglas's text about working with his boys and being a dad and being able to show up. So go ahead, Alberto. Yeah, I like how he was, I like how he explained it with, with the situation with his family. Um, Cause it's kind of like, like for me, I guess, like that, that last question is like, how do I listen? Like, as soon as I read, how do I listen? I, I complicated the question, right? Cause I'm like, all right, trying to hear, like, how do you listen to the, if there's a group conscience? And then I realized it was like, for one, quit complicating it, right? And, and it made me think that like, as long as I'm not forced, Right. As long as I'm not, whether it's at work, whether at a meeting or with like specifically my mother, you know, um, like if I'm not forcing my ideas, my will, my choices, whatever the result is going to be, that's what it's going to be. And I have to believe that that's from a loving God. 
right? Um, and a quick example and like how I can see that today. So like about four or five months ago, um, one of my brothers who's outside of recovery tried to kill my mom, right? He's, he was in active addiction. Um, and my nephew witnessed it, right? My eight-year-old nephew, sweet kid. And I'm in Florida. She's in Fort Worth, Texas. And like my immediate reaction is I'm, I'm going to kill him. I'm, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to slap her because it's her fault for allowing this to, to extend, right? Now, mind you, all thinking, you know, and I called my sponsor and I explained him the situation. And he says, all right, Alberta, what can you do? And I said, the reality of the situation is I can't do anything. I can only love my mother. I can only pray for my brother. And like, that's all I can do right now. I cannot do anything else. And he says, okay, then, then that's what we do. And so like right there, that's where I know in that setting, there, there was a loving God in that, in that sense, because like me beating the crap out of my brother and killing him isn't going to do me any fucking good. Let's get real. You know what I mean? Um, and me scolding my mother isn't going to do any good. Right? She's, she's her own woman. She's her own person. And, and I have to believe that as long as I'm doing the best that I can with the principles that the program teaches me, like what's going to happen is going to happen. And I have to trust my higher power in that situation. And so the cool thing about it is that like, I didn't force anything. Right. I prayed for, for these people right? Because I keep my distance from them for a reason. And, uh, and they're okay today, right? I talked to my nephew today, right? My mother, you know, um, she's doing good. My brother's in rehab, you know what I mean? Like, like that's amazing just for today, right? Will my brother ever get clean? God hopes. Um, but like just for today, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to ruin it. Like, that's amazing. So that's all I got for that. So much Alberto love you man congrats on that five years too this past weekend all right Michelle so I, you know there's something Alberto said about not forcing things that um that I think really ties into this for me um you know mo most of the time when I when I need to listen for a group conscience it's in difficult situations right um, when things are flowing easy it feels like that's already there, but when there's, when things aren't flowing easy, when I'm trying to force something, force my will, force my opinion, those are usually the times that I need to allow the emergence of conscience um, and to, to create that space for that to happen. And that can be really difficult for me. Um, you know, the, the most, the most complex relationship right now in my life is definitely in my, my marriage, just, you know, trying, being together a long time and starting to see some things differently and trying to find common ground and trying to find that place in the middle, right. And not, not forcing things, trying to find that um, space where we can allow conscious to speak for us and, and find, find our way. Um, you know, outside of that, I don't, I don't have a lot of complex relationships in my life. You know, most of them flow pretty nicely today. Um, 
that's that's an area where I need to do better at not forcing and listening more. So anyway, that's all I got right now. Thanks so much, Michelle. Mary? Yeah, this one got me. I mean, at first I, uh, I saw the question and, and my thought was I didn't really have anything to, to add. And as I was listening and thinking, I'm really grateful for this question because it's given me a chance to, to recognize um, where there's definitely a conscience emerging in the in my life right now, the uh, father of my two youngest children, my, my second ex-husband named Bob, as opposed to the first ex-husband named Bob. Uh, he, he's, yeah, it's a true story. He, um, he's been diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. So that happened this summer and um, he asked me to be power of attorney and, you know, I've been working with his, you know, his sister had talked to me about what was going on because he, he kept calling me and telling me the same thing. And I was like, yeah, we had this conversation, you know, and then all these other things emerged that um, it, he hadn't told me, but his sister did. And, and, and so I agreed to be power of attorney. My kids are too young to, you know, the youngest are 20 and 21. And, um, and it, it got almost right away, it got really sticky because when I spoke to his sister, she's like, oh, thank God you're willing to step up because I definitely don't want to be power of attorney. And we get the process started all of a sudden. She's like, hey, sis, you know, I feel like I've just dumped everything on you and you're really busy. And if you want to co-power, you know, if you want me to co, and I was like, oh, shit. You know? <laughs> My thought was like, ah, that sounds complicated. That sounds like it was kind of you know, I talked to, to my sponsor about it and checked myself because is this me just wanting control? I don't want to share, you know, responsibilities. And and we we did talk about how really there's there is a, a a boundary to be set with all of that. But having had that conversation, then I was more open to what she can help, how we all work together. And it is, it's gonna be as he declines, it's gonna be a collective um effort to, you know. You know, because it's really like what's best for the kids still, even as adults, you know, it's the older generation looking out for what's going to be best for the kids. And so, you know, seeing this question, like me being able to apply it somewhere in my life is really, really beneficial because as I go forward now uh, from today, I will see those interactions as a group conscience and I'll be able to bring my higher power in with all of those to make it less complicated for myself, you know, especially emotionally and, and focus on what really matters. It's his comfort and the, and the kids well-being. So that's what I've got there. Thanks. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, when I'm uh, listening to y'all talk about the word, you know, emerging and Douglas, he's like, oh, I'm going to underline it, you know, and I was like, man, I, I'm, let me look it up, you know, and it says to move out of and into, you know, I, I was like, that's one of the coolest things I think about that group conscious piece, you know, and is how it does like all come together. And then also like watching, like as a recovery process, you know, you can watch people kind of go through the process and all it, they very like look similar in a lot of ways. A lot of people's processes as they begin to emerge into something different. You know, and I do love that in a group conscious situation where everybody's talking and having different opinions and sharing their insights and their experience, you know, and I, I love how they, they drop that word in there. And um, go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, uh, Carl, you touched on that word I was really looking at and that's emerging, right? So, um, you know, there's, I'm making some decisions in my personal life that 
you know, the value of a conscience and, and I see a conscience emerging, like I'm making decisions that aren't spiritual, they're not healthy, they're not honest. And so that question where it says, how do I listen for what I know as group conscience in my relationships? To me, what that is, it's like calling my sponsor and telling him what's going on and knowing to the man, like in my group of close friends, that's the group conscience because they're the spiritual, they've walked the path before me. And I'm, maybe I don't want to hear that, right? <laughs> like I know what decisions I'm making are wrong and hearing that word of wisdom that I know is the right thing. It's God's will being spoken to me through somebody else. Like to me, that's powerful, right? So yeah, I make, I make bad decisions. I do, I do things that aren't healthy and whatever, but like having these people in my life that I can rely on that I know will tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Like that's powerful. And that's where I kind of see my conscience, where I stray off of a path, get kind of re-emerged into my being and my subconscious by listening to people that have a got a lot more time clean than I do and have a lot more life experience than I do. And to me, that's powerful shit. So that's kind of what I see with that. So great question. That's all I got. Thank you. Yeah. I love that, Bobby. I mean, that's, that's how I've practiced my third step for years. Honest to God, just ask people and I kind of get a consciousness, you know, because sometimes I make bad decisions, you know, not, not all the time, but sometimes. <laughs> all right. So anybody else? All right. So 14, does my history with authority influence my experience today? How does my belief in an ultimate authority change my perspective? Go ahead, Brooke. Um, yeah, well, first off, my history with authority is, uh, it's let me down really badly. Um, I mean, it's, it's in ways that have fucked up my life. Like my trust of, of uh, especially when I got here, my trust of authority was like, you know, um, minuscule uh, because I was well aware and you could not convince me otherwise that, um, that it wasn't safe at all. Um, and so I just like to put that out there for people that, that are like, what, you know, I mean, let's, that's, that's the way it is. Cause a lot of times the structure of society, the way that it is right now, doesn't fit us. And that's how, kind of how we ended up here. Um, so for me, and then the, the steps transformed that absolutely, um, for me. And that's, that's what I want to do is I, I really appreciate that a group conscience is actually other people. Um, so when I, when I get like, when I'm like, what if, what if this goes wrong? And they're like, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, like I need that person to go and, you know, uh, or, or higher powers in charge of this. And, and I get a lot of my peace and understanding um, about a group conscience and my faith in that from, from other people who literally, I mean, I don't pull it out of the air. I meditate and all that kind of stuff, but honestly, most of the good stuff I've gotten from this program was someone sitting right across this from me in the table going, blah, 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 blah. And I go, oh, okay, I got it now, <laughs> you know? So um, yeah, so that that's really it for me is that um, today I get that long view of uh, often so many things in my life are not life or death um, and, and really like, what's important is for me to remember to show up um, the best that I can 
with as many spiritual principles as I can pick up that day. <laughs> um, and, and that's, and that's how, and that's how I get to participate. And most of the time, if it doesn't work out or if we make a mistake or whatever, um, the world isn't going to end, uh, truthfully. And so that you guys gave me that confidence and that belief that, um, not everything is a big, huge drama. Um, and we can let go and let God and, um, the results are usually they're fine <laughs> and sometimes they're spectacular um and sometimes they're never there's something i never would have thought would happen so that's all i have thank you. thanks so much Brooke. uh phil uh wow good stuff uh, uh i i sort of like went a um different uh, direction with that and with the history of uh, authority influences my uh experience today uh, I know how I, I got into uh, Narcos Anonymous. Uh, I did get that nudge from the judge, okay? And um, magistrates and things like that of, of authority and, and this and that in the courtrooms and all those things uh, uh, in active addiction then. So uh, yeah, I can reflect back to those things. And, and uh, um, uh, in life, you know, uh, in the rooms, I, I look at things, but in life, I, I look at things. And even the um, conversation I had with my um, grandson uh, uh, yesterday, it was uh, all of his life. He's, he's ni 19 years old. I said, all of, of, of your life, you know nothing about me being in, in drug addiction because your whole, your whole life, uh, you've known me to be in recovery. See? So um, that was like one of those uh, things there. But on the other side of that, how does my belief in an ultimate authority change my perspective? Like the members shared before me, yeah, uh, that 11th step, um, practice principles uh, in, uh, in, in all, all, my, all my affairs and, and a better perspective on my life. But with the ultimate authority, um, that's, that's a game changer. Uh, and, I, and I'm just going to share this and shut up. Uh, uh, I, I, I always uh, say, uh, even, even in, in meetings or any, anywhere in life, I have sat worse places. Uh, I like sitting where I'm, I'm at today. And no matter where I'm sitting, uh, you know, uh, in the rooms, uh, at home or like whatever, and no matter what chair I, I'm sitting in, it's my good old easy chair. That's it. Thanks, Phil. I'm glad to be sitting here too. <laughs> and um, so I just want to, you know, when I read that question, the first thing that kind of popped in, I've been watching this TV show, Dope Sick, you know, and um, just reliving that past, you know, and being misled by doctors and um, as an authority figure. You know, and all too often, you know, doctors chime in and they say these things about addiction and sometimes they're right. And sometimes I feel like, you know, my opinion is quite different, you know, and but like it was told to me, you know, self-will is like what I try to make happen and God's will is what actually happens, you know, and, uh, you know, not long ago I was I was in the paper and I saw one of these doctors 
that I went to, you know, and he was like, oh yeah, this, this is maintenance drug. It's not addictive, man. This is like the cure for addiction, you know? And, you know, I stayed on it for a long, long time. And I'm like, dude, I'm like straight up addicted. You know what I mean? And, um, he's like, oh, well, we'll titrate you down, you know? And I'm like, fuck you. You know what I mean? You're never going to see me again, basically, you know? And then that's that, that's that initial piece. So I, I was very heavily influenced personally you know what I mean but with opinions of authority you know like I, I struggled to like believe doctors or believe anybody that said they studied medicine or you know when I came into recovery and um but the hit is like when I went to rehab like I knew better than to try to like stay on these drugs or like believe what they were telling me and not saying that anyone should not follow what their medical or whatever you know what I mean like I'm not saying I'm not trying to discredit but I'm I just I can understand how people feel so betrayed by legal systems or doctors or these authorities but then in the in the the, the grand scheme where it talks about that ultimate authority you know it's like at that time I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me you know, and then fast forward, it actually helped me in a lot of ways. And it's helped me led that that experience um, with being on that specific substance has allowed me to help a lot of people get off of it, you know, and, and navigate that path. And so talk about like an ultimate authority in, in that experience, you know, and even in romantic relationships, kind of the same thing, you know, it's like, what I thought was the worst relationship ever in my life ended up being such a great teacher and it led me into something better, you know, and it's, it's like, just like my active addiction, terrible and led me into something, you know, emerging, we're emerging into something better. So, um, thanks. That's enough out of me. All right, Alberto. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I really like that, but wait, the last addicts were sharing because like growing up my, like when I think of authority today, like growing up, all I ever received was punishment, right? I did something wrong. You get scolded, you get mistreated, but there was never any guidance, right? So instead of like trying to do better, I decided to learn how to do it more quietly, right? Behind people's backs. Like, honestly, that's what happened. And, and there was, I can only know one individual. I think I was like maybe in seventh grade, I got enough a fight in school and they and back then they called the in-house where they separate you from all the other students and the counselor there um the only authority figure I remember that actually told me something that I can remember to this day um he says it's not about what you've been through it's about what you do after right that stuck with me all these years um and so like when I first came in here and people you know are giving me suggestions I don't realize that they're just trying to guide me into a new way of life I see these people as authority figures trying to tell me, you know, like, again, I, I'm confusing it with these people scolding me from my past, right? So my first reaction is to buck. My first reaction is that you're not going to tell me to sit down and shut up, for one, because you don't know who I am, blah, 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 right? That's and, and so as I was reading that question, again, I'm thinking an ultimate authority. And so I had to go back to the first page where it says the tradition. After it says ultimate authority, it says a loving God. And then immediately my perception changed. So like looking at my past now, looking at everything that had, has happened, like the other addicts were sharing, like I'm no longer resentful at like how I came up. 
like every now and then I'll get on my feelings like, oh, my dad wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm, I'm grateful for it because it, it allowed me to like kind of make the mistakes that I've made and then come into the program broken, hopeless, useless, and allow another man to tell me a new way of uh, a new way of life and then trusting more people after that right like I, I can come into this and and like feel so loved you know what I mean without wanting to be judged without wanting to question if they do these guys really want me on this podcast like no like the first thing y'all did was congratulate me on my anniversary like that is amazing that is loving right and it's again but I choose to believe that when I when I wake up and I and I make the decision to turn my will and my life over and, and I show up, that that ultimate authority is is taking place, right? So like I can do something bad today or something bad can happen to me, like it's okay. I've had worse happen, but yet I'm still here in in a virtual meeting with addicts all around the country who we all have the same purpose of of carrying that message. How bad can my life really be then? Right? Like, dude. So yeah, it's yeah, that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks so much, Berto. Related hard about the parents. That's it's neat to watch everybody's different like insight on authority figures, you know. I love it. Melissa. Hey y'all. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Alberto, because I wasn't um, really thinking about where that authority figure came from. Um, but yeah, I was like abused like horribly as a child. Um, and that was the first authority figure I ever knew, you know, before I even went to school. Right. And um, I even had teachers like treat me unfairly. So it's like, honestly, it goes back pretty far. I was thinking more like, um, you know, like when you get older, you're not supposed to do drugs, <laughs> like the police as being an authority figure. But really, it goes much deeper than that for me. And so like, to go back to the question, so let's see, how does my experience, or does my history with authority influence my experience today? And so um, it definitely does. And how is uh, like, I, I know what it feels like, you know, to be rebellious <clears throat> and uh, like, I can just recognize today that's all i got thanks melissa love you mary uh my history with authority and how it influences my experience today so my you know for me with authority goes all the way back to the beginning and and the way i was raised by very um my parents are very authoritarian uh so i was raised in this household um, where, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of punishment. There was also guidance in mind, but it was, um, that was where I learned without realizing I was learning it, that, that, um, acceptance was conditional, right? Um, you know, I have, I am the fifth of eight kids and my oldest brother was the one person in my life who I think of, um, that ever just granted me unconditional acceptance, right? So, and these are, you know, awarenesses that, that I, came to as, as I grew up, but I think about that now. And so my um, relationship with authority figures, I like how people keep saying authority figures and not just authority, right? So my relationship with, with people in authority positions has always been conflicted because 
you know, I love my parents and I wanted to be pleasing to them. I wanted that acceptance, right? And so, but boy, authority chaps my hide, right? So I'm like, you know, so conflicted. Like sometimes authority would be something I, you know, cozied up to and then I'd just be rebelling like nobody's business. And what I found out as I got older and really in my recovery, a wise man, I'm sure it was in my recovery that I learned this concept of authority is something I grant to a person or a higher power. Authority is something I grant. If somebody tries to have authority over me, they're really just exercising control. That's control. Authority is something I grant. And so that is how my belief in an ultimate authority changes my perspective. So, you know, as far as, as a loving, caring, higher power, I'm granting that authority to them to have that. Whereas any other authority figure in my life, they're either controlling me or I'm granting them authority anymore. So, and, and they can all shine on. Thank you. <laughs> I love getting older, let me tell you. <laughs> I love that, Mary. Um, anybody else? All right, 15. How do I practice this tradition when others are not bound by it? Go ahead, Brooke. I don't mean to speak first all the time, sorry. Um, so my favorite thing to do, listen. When I'm listening to people, if I'm in, especially again, work, um, or even when I'm in a group of friends, if I listen to people, they'll actually tell me um, what's important to them. They'll repeat it. Um, it'll be the only time they look me in the eyes maybe when they say it, um, there's there's definitely some ways and means for people to to um, interact or tell me what what they um, what their conscience is, um, and so that's really for me that that is how I listen. And the other part, of course, is that I need to be uh, bring my conscience too. So and for me, it's that it's that journaling at the end of the night. Um, it's it's the meditation because it's keeping that conscious contact um, so I don't get fall off the and back into the me 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 thing where I can actually like um, feel like I'm a part of rather than apart from that's all I have thanks Brooke Alberto yeah looking at it uh, on what I wrote and, and it's amazing um, to be able to see that I wrote this when I did this, you know, it's, it's like just being able to be patient around that, you know what I mean? Cause, and I went back to the pages on the principles to see if patience was one of them and I didn't see it. And I was like, what, why would it not be on there? You know what I mean? Cause I know at a group conscience meeting, that's the first thing I prep myself with is with patience. You know what I mean? Because hearing other people's opinions is great, but when you hear them too much, it's like, you know, God grant me the serenity. Right. Um, but it, it's like I, I've been in many arguments because I'm I'm very hard headed. Um, but one thing that my sponsor likes to remind me, and he'll say it a lot because I'll be like, "Yeah, you're right, Lee," and then he'll be like, "Alberto, I would rather be happy than right." 
you know, and he's always wanting to say all this stuff. And and come to think about it, like when I <laughs> when people don't understand the, or like, you know, they're not trying to come into agreement or they, they want to be selfish because I know what it's like because I do it all the time still to this day. Like when I just stop. And I just say, OK, let's just let's let's just come into an agreement, whatever it is like, you know, like it's OK. Like, I don't have to force me always being right, even though I believe that I'm always right. Like, I don't have to do that. I can just say, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to lose my peace over something small because the reality of it, for me, it's all small. If it's not affecting my life, it's not affecting my finances. If it's not affecting my, my health, it's not big at all. So like, why do I have the tendency to want to sell my serenity short? Um, and luckily today, I don't, I don't really have to. I just, you know what? I really like being happy today. Who, who knew that being clean would invite happiness? You know, <laughs> it took me a while to figure that out. So thank you. Thanks, Berto. Phil? Uh, wow, uh, good stuff. Uh, the only thing um, I could uh, really think of uh, with that, with that, because it's how do I practice this tradition when others aren't bound to it? And uh, the, the members uh, of, uh, of uh, narcotics, anonymous, especially with, 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 with hung groups and things, and, and um, uh, whatever situation we're in with 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 our, our members and things uh, should be somewhat bound to to uh, our traditions, but uh, it just comes back to um, practicing uh, uh, the steps, the principles in the steps uh, in all my affairs, and when nobody's bound to things with the steps, it's 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 different situations, different things I can go up and down with, with situations in life to, um, to work a step. Cause I, I gotta work, work a step, you know? They might not know nothing about steps, but, uh, but, but I do. And, uh, and they, may put, they might know nothing about traditions either. I do. Um, and I'm just so glad the, steps or married to the traditions you, you know what i'm saying they they they're married and go together so that's what i gotta do that's all i got thanks phil douglas yeah i think the uh the second question in 14 um, is kind of a nice lead-in uh to to 15 and so so what i was thinking here um for this if you've ever had a conversation with someone who's actively using uh, i think that's a really good kind of backdrop into saying okay um that side of the conversation is you know it's consume mode is me i can't say anything outside and that's how i was using you know it was it was just it was only me and what could i can consume and so i was thinking that you know it's like um, conversations I've had, you know, whether it's a 12 step call or, or, you know, um, you know, other family members or whatnot. So I was thinking that, that I can, I can say, Hey, look, what I'm saying and where I'm at it from my perspective, like my commitment to staying clean is not fragile. My recovery is not fragile. The message isn't fragile. Um, and, and so, and so there I can, I can hear, hear somebody, uh, say what they need to say, 
um, without interrupting them and things like that. And that and that's been a skill set that I've had to learn. It's taken me years. I, I wish I could say, bro, I caught that on in the first couple months. How about or the first few years or maybe like the first 10 years. But it's like it's something recent, man. Like I was so it was all about like I would cut you off in mid sentence because it was just, you know, I. I just didn't have that ability to say, Hey man, you know, let me just shut the fuck up, listen to you even. And he, and here, and here's one point I want to point out with that too, is I, especially when it comes to recovery, my default setting is if I don't interrupt you or if I don't c- combat, if you say something I don't agree with means that I'm violating my beliefs. And that's not true. It just isn't true, but that's a faulty belief system that I've carried for a long time. Um, and one other, one, one last comment I, I'll say is like, how does my ultimate or how does my belief in ultimate authority change the perspective? That's the second part of, of 14 with this. How do I participate? It's very similar to speaking to somebody who's actively using is like trying to argue with a 14 year old. My oldest son, he's 14. You fuck. It is. It's it's ridiculous trying to argue back and forth. It, it's just ridiculous. I'm getting upset now. <laughs> just get, But, you know, it, it's one of those things, man. Uh, but I can, I, but you know what, going back to that is like, look, I can let him say his piece, you know, when, when, when he gets in these goddamn moves and he's never wrong. He knows everything. I don't, and my, but my relationship, you know, being his father, it's not fragile. Man. It's just, it's not fragile. And the same thing, and I'll, I'll end with it, the, the same thing as difficult as that can be and stuff like that. Uh, the HP gives us blessings, you know, along with it too, because he's, he's a, he's a disciplined young man. I've been, you know, in, 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 um, I've had the fortune to be clean, you know, his, his entire life. And, uh, 14, he took his first interview, a job interview today. Really cool, man. Couldn't be more proud, man. Had a little, little dress up and everything like that. So anyway, I love y'all folks, but that's what I was thinking about, man. It's like, it's like, we can have these conversations with difficult people, and we can let them let them say their thing without telling them shut the fuck up, you know, and it doesn't violate what, you know, where we're at. All right, I'll pass with that. Thanks so much, Doug. I've got time. Melissa, you want to finish it up? We got about three minutes. All right, I'm on that timer. So my, my throat's back now, y'all. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, for this, I mean, how can I practice this tradition when others are not bound by it, right? So, I mean, really, it's something I feel like we've always heard, you know, um, is the golden rule. And that's what Douglas was just really touching on. Um, so, like, basically treat others how you want to be treated. So, I've noticed that when I'm hostile and resentful and angry and lashing out, guess what I'm going to get back? It ain't no group conscience. i tell you that, right? So, you know, I can apply principles, right? And other people tend to react better when you do that. That doesn't mean I'm going to get my way every time. That doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with them. It doesn't mean that they're going to act, you know, and apply spiritual principles, right? Because they're, they're not bound by it, you know, like like um Phil was saying, you know, they might not even be aware of any of that. But if I keep my side of the street clean, well, guess what? The street might just stay a little bit cleaner, <laughs> So that's all I got with that. Thank y'all. Thanks so much, Melissa. All right, we are at the top of the hour. I just want to thank everybody who showed up tonight. Um, really enjoyed the hour. You know, I always I enjoy this every week, and I want to thank the listeners too for for chiming in. So thank y'all. Love y'all.
thank you for walking with us on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so.